Welcome back to another episode of Ground Zero Fitness Podcast. Today, we are honored to have two guests on, and both of them are parents and husbands who figured out how to balance family, their own fitness, as well as online coaching of clients. They pride themselves on a no-bullshit approach to training and nutrition. If you find yourself on fitness Twitter at any point, you've probably seen these two guys. Uh, so welcome to the show, Shane Fitzgerald, who's formerly known as Dungeons and Deadlifts on Twitter. Uh, the egg king of Twitter. I don't know how he eats that many eggs. And then Rob James, owner of Nothing Barred Fitness, who has one of the most shredded profile pictures on Twitter. Um, and he actually took that picture when he had a five-month-old at home. So props to those guys. And uh, thanks for coming on. I'll just have you guys run through like a typical introduction, where you come from, what you do, your family, anything you want to include. So one at a time, if you want to like, I don't know, I guess we raise our hands or whatever when we have four people on here. So go ahead. Shane, go first. It gives me a chance to um, copy what you say. Okay. Um, I'm more comfortable uh, just going off the seat of my pants anyway. So, okay. Uh, what do I do? Well, I'm actually, uh, I've been a stay-at-home dad for most of the last few years and I've been doing the online training on the side. Um, so there's that. Uh, we live in, uh, me and my family live out in rural Alberta. So we're, we're just sitting in the middle of a quarter section and there's a ranch around us. And then we live on our little four acres and we're adjusting to that since, um, we were formerly, well, my kids were never formerly anything, but I was formerly a city boy. I, I lived in, uh, Calgary for most of my life and Edmonton for a few years. So I spent 36 years living in the city with no practical living skills whatsoever. And then I decided that I needed to get out, move out to the country. And that's been pretty much a nonstop learning curve in the seven years since. So that's pretty much what I do. I, I take care of my kids and then I, I coach clients uh, around that. Yep. So um, I'm Rob. I'm from London in the UK. Um, you mentioned that I've got one of the most uh, shredded fitness uh, pictures on Twitter. Um, it's probably quite disappointing to see that my face is not quite so lean at the moment. Um, just putting it out there that I don't maintain that condition all year round. Um, and I was very hungry that day. Um, yeah, so what, what do I do? Um, I coach people online. Um, and I also uh, blend that income with um, some digital marketing stuff that I do. Um, and... Um, yeah, and I'm also a dad. Um, I've got two kids, um, one two-year-old boy and one um, six-week-old girl. Um, and that's really full on at the moment. Um, so just kind of, it, it's a real struggle to kind of balance training and um, running running an online fitness business as well. Um, yeah, so I'm all about uh, getting as much as possible out of uh, the, the minimum inputs. So, uh, you know, minimum inputs and maximum outputs from that. Um, I'd love to train way more. Um, you know, I'd love to be really dialed in on my nutrition right now and really uh, creating loads of core content, uh, but it, it's all a bit of a struggle at the moment. Um, so, yeah, bear with me. But hopefully big things are coming. So how did you guys both get into training? Rob, can you kind of let us know how you started training in the first place? Yeah, so um, I used to work for an IT company and um, 
It was actually really good. Um, this company spent loads of money um, that other companies don't. Like they, they spent loads of money on making sure their employees were happy. Um, there was a huge entertainment budget. There was literally a line in their budget called entertainment, and it was and it was a lot of money. Um, so they used to like take us out for meals all the time and drinks and stuff. Um, and one of the th- things that they paid for was everyone's gym membership. Um, and this was in central London. And central London gyms are um, really nice and expensive. Uh, so I got my first experience at the gym was in like, you know, top, top class um, equipment, top class um, kind of clientele. Um, and um, yeah, I just loved it. Um, I'm very competitive by nature. Um, and I wanted to be better than everyone else um, who was from my company. Um, so it, it, it drove me um, to be honest, it, it was a small company. So there weren't that many people to be better than, um, but that kind of competition drove me. And then I, I just, you know, it, became a habit um, and I loved the results. So yeah, that, that was how. Gotcha. And Shane? Uh, well, I I did it totally opposite almost. Um, I did it all by myself. Uh, I never trained with anybody for the longest time. What ended up happening was I had been very sick for about 10 years and I got a break in that and I decided I was going to grab a hold of it and I was going to get myself as healthy and as strong as I possibly could. And I wasn't really sure how that was going to happen. Um, So while I was recuperating from a surgery that I had had and thinking, this is it, this is my chance to make a real meaningful go of it. I kind of looked at, looked into my options because I had done some of that boot camp style, high intensity TV training bullshit. Um, And I mean, that stuff works okay for the really short term, but the minute you get off that hamster wheel, just evaporates on you. Right. So, and I'd never been well enough to really stick with it long-term. Like I, it just hadn't been very good. So I, I had messed around with that sort of thing. So what had happened was I, I, I found out through pouring through internet forums and stuff that the people were just, you know, they were starting to wake up to this notion that resistance training is where it was at. That all that other stuff was kind of fluff, like good, good to have maybe if you, if you needed it as a, as an additional aspect to your training, but not essential to good health, like muscle strength. Those things are what's important, which I don't think I need to convince anybody on this, on this chat about. And so I, that, you know, that kind of set in and I was like, okay, so I got to figure out how to lift weights then. So I, I, I dabbled a bit with that and I found, you know, um, five by five training. Um, and I took, you know, I took a couple of courses at the local college in Red Deer and, learned some really basic stuff and did it on my own. And I, I saw massive strength gains in the first like six to nine months. Right. And I was hooked. That was it. And then I just read absolutely everything I could get my hands on, you know, watched a million YouTube videos, followed people online and, and poured through everything that they said. And I just kind of filtered through all of that noise on the internet that all those people that right now that are on the fence about hiring a coach are trying to do for themselves. I I was one of the people I actually had to, cause I really did just couldn't leave my house. I had two babies, right? I had twin babies and I, I was still kind of recovering my own health and, and whatnot. So I had the closest gym is a 20 minute drive. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I figured it out on my own. So I filtered through all of that stuff. And I just tried it, different things, and and I just learned. And whenever I got a, got the chance, I went to a seminar or took an extra course here, or got a certification, and I did that for a few years. And then I just 
I realized like, Hey, I like, I've learned all this stuff and I can help somebody who's in my shoes. So I started training people on the side and then, and then I just, uh, then I figured out like online would make way more sense than trying to get a few physical clients to come to my little home gym or whatever. So that's how that all went. So it was totally like, not like Rob at all. He's at glamorous gyms and I'm working out in my, my dark dank dungeon in my basement. Though to be honest, I'd rather have it your way. Um, I don't like people very much. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I like to be, you know, I'd love to have the gym just in my house. You know, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, haven't got enough space at the moment. I'm working on, on making that, that change, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. Um, you know, there's no, there's no traveling to the gym. There's no like using, you know, dirty showers and, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, you know, tripping over people's weights that they've left on the floor. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you did five by five training. What did you do? Was it strong lifts? That's what I did. That was the very first thing I did. Yeah. Strong lifts. Yeah. More or less. I, I did some, you know, free routines off the internet and, and things like that beforehand that were, you know, like just basic dumbbell training and stuff, but it was just enough to get me interested. And then I, I came across strong lifts and I thought, well, this is a really straightforward, simple system I could follow. Right. Um, and I tried it for a few months and like anybody who does that, just properly discovers, you know, you can go from pretty weak to reasonably strong, fairly fast. You get a lot of neuromuscular improvement and you get all your basics covered. It's not optimal training by any stretch in my opinion, but it's a great start for a lot of people. Yeah. That's your, that's your first hit free, right? Like, and then after that, you're, you're never going to, if you stick with that, you're never going to stop. Like you're going to want the next thing and the next thing. I think I started getting, I found a site that had a whole bunch of sample programs of all the famous programs. And I just dug through those and tried different ones. I think I did Mad Cow after I did Strongless, if I'm remembering correctly. And um, I learned some really valuable lessons doing that. I've seen that one a lot, but the name puts me off even looking at it. It's, it's, uh, is it named after some person on an internet forum who that was their username or something? Um, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. That, that just puts me off it. <laughs> was it, was it any good? Um, no, <laughs> not, not looking back on it. No, I would say no. Um, the, what it has to recommend it is, is it teaches you to push really hard. It's kind of like small or something like that, where it's like, just run it at it as hard as you possibly can try not to kill yourself. Um, which is good. You learn some valuable lessons about effort, which will carry with you forever, but it's a system with no, like it just runs you off a cliff recovery wise. There's just no, there's no attempt to balance it at all. It's like, it's, it's always running on a timer, like nine, 12, 13, 15 weeks, depending on where you're at. And you're just going to crash. You're going to hit a wall. Uh, and I did it twice. I hit the wall the first time and I didn't even know what the problem was. I thought it was me that I was just a wuss. So I <laughs> took a short break and went at it again. And I was badly overtrained because I mean, this is when I had, my girls were probably a year old. And we were not sleeping like a good night was four hours of sleep. And here I'm trying to do this intermediate strength training program, with no auto regulation built in, no recovery weeks planned. It was terrible. I learned all kinds of valuable lessons though, like that. I will never make that mistake with anybody that the trains under me, like recovery is a big priority. So how long have you guys both been training for now? This is, this would be my seventh year. Yeah. I, I, seven, seven and a half. I had to take five months off for uh, waiting for a surgery a couple of years in. And w at what point did you guys realize that fitness was going to be 
such an important aspect to your lives? Um, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, I guess um, it's something I've always kind of, kind of. Um, it's been a part of my life, but in a different way. Um, so in school, I was I was in a few of the sports teams. So I was I was fit in school, um, and I used to do. My, I suppose this is technically my very first um, weight training program. Um, so when I was a teenager, I just used to do push ups in my room every night, um, and they were probably really bad. Um, but you know, I used to, I used to think that more was better. So I was just, eventually I was doing like sets of a hundred pushups probably with awful form. Um, and then I was, I started adding in sit-ups to that. And then, um, my parents for some reason had this like antique iron, um, one of those irons, which is actually made out of iron. Um, and you, you, you heat it up by putting it on a, a real fire. Um, and that's how you iron your clothes. Um, we didn't use it. It was just kind of like decorative. And I just used that and uh, did like biceps curls with that and stuff. Um, <laughs> so that, that I used to do that kind of stuff um, when I was a teenager. And then it just all stopped after school. And I let myself become untrained again and lost any muscle mass I'd gained. Um, and then it all, all kind of started again when, when I was about 25 and I joined that gym, which I mentioned. Um, and it's not until I spent a lot of time reading about, you know, like when I get obsessed with something, I read, I read about it a lot. Um, and I read so many blogs, uh, watched so many YouTube videos and I did the whole, the whole sifting through all of the good and bad information that Shane was talking about. Um, because when I get into something, I just obsess over it and I, I do that kind of thing. Um, and through doing that is I suppose when I realized how important it was going to be and that I was never going to stop doing it because, um, I'd already got the bug for fitness uh, by this point and I started to realize how important it was to actually gain muscle I, I think before that I used to think and a lot of people probably still think that muscle is unhealthy um, and they they think this because of the um, stories they see about pro bodybuilders dying young um, and it's not because of the muscle that they have that they die young um, you know that's a correlation not causation um, so that was kind of a mindset shift for me. Um, and yeah, realizing that, that muscle and low, lower body fat or, you know, average body fat. No, I should, no, I shouldn't use the word average. It's probably not true. Uh, <laughs> de- a, a healthy amount of body fat and more muscle mass was better for health and longevity. Once I realized that, yeah, I, yeah that, that was when I realized I was never going to stop. In for Shane. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I had a, like I said, I had a decade of very, very poor health. And once you've been really, really sick and living in the bottom, you don't ever want to go back. So as soon as I saw an opportunity to like my original theory on resistance training, my original goal was I wanted to be in the strongest possible place the next time I got a flare up and was sick again. Because every time I would bottom out, I would lose a bunch of weight, and then it would be a desperate bid to, to, to put weight back on. But I was literally, I was doing that. I was putting weight back on. I, every time I was trading lean muscle away when I got sick and knowing what I know now, I was getting more and more skinny fat, basically. Um, and, and then not so skinny <laughs> as my metabolism slowly turned against me. So in addition to being, you know, 
very unwell because of my illness. I was also becoming very unwell, unwell because of my um, metabolism, just getting way out of whack. So yeah, I, I just didn't want to live that way anymore. I had a pretty strong incentive not to feel that way. And once I got a taste of a different, a different life, I was never going to let that go again. Like I will never, I'll never quit. I don't think I've missed outside of a forced layoff for waiting for a surgery. I have not missed five training sessions in seven years. I'm sure. So you mean you haven't missed five separate or you mean you've never missed a block of five in a row? I've never missed five total. Probably. Yeah. Like five sessions. Yeah. Look, I I've seen a lot of people posting training videos and stuff and um, like we've, we've seen what you lift. Um, It's impressive. Like you're you're, like, obviously it's, it's not like out of this world, genetic elite. Yeah. I'm not putting any records. Yeah. But like what you lift is impressive. Like you're one of the stronger guys on, on fitness Twitter in our circle. Um, and at your at your body weight as well, like because you're, you're also you're you're not like really tall, so you know it's it's less impressive when it's a really tall person doing it because they're heavier guys as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's probably down to your consistency and um, just just not to, not missing days, you know, not not and not missing blocks, you know, people people go missing for weeks at a time, and you you know you're going to be taking two steps forward and another two back if you do that. Yeah, the two two keys are consistency and effort. Really, like get over a long enough time frame, everybody would be surprised at how strong they can get if they just keep at it. Like it can seem really, really slow when you're bogged down in it. Like after that first couple of years, every 10 pounds you put on a major lift may be hard fought and win, but it still adds up. Like if I put 30 pounds on my bench press this year, I will be ecstatic. And people would say, oh, that, that's all? 30 pounds in a year? It's like, yeah, but you if you add it up, it's like – if it's if it's half, if if you whatever you put on this year, if you half it again next year, and you half it the year after that, and you half it the year after that, it's still going to be an enormous amount, right? Like it, obviously, if everybody could put a hundred pounds on every year, then we'd all bench press nine hundred pounds. So um, that that's the thing. I think that's the biggest takeaway is that for me, it's just I just I just go hard at it, and and if I if it doesn't go anywhere for a little while. I just back up, figure out a, a different way to slice the effort up in, into more digestible chunks, and then I just I just go at it again. Yeah, and so something we've we've pushed on the podcast a lot is knowing how long it's going to take for people to see results because, like, we see it all the time online. You're going to lose. I know we've been tweeting about it recently. You're going to lose forty pounds in two months. You're going to gain a hundred pounds on your squat in a month and that kind of thing. So like how long did it take you guys to first start seeing like actual results when you got started and like, when did other people start noticing those? Yeah. So my, mine was probably a bit different um, because well, for a few reasons. Um, so I had trained before and it, well, even though it was only push-ups and biceps curls and whatever in my room, um, there was still some adaptation I'd already got uh, from that. And also, I was a sprinter at school, so I kind of just had that had that a little bit. I, I don't know. This is this is not scientific at all, but I think I had a bit of a more of a genetic predis 
predisposition to to maybe I was slightly to the right of the bell curve, like not I didn't have a disadvantage anyway. So I think maybe I was a little bit quicker because firstly there was a bit of um, a bit of um, muscle memory uh, going on when I started again. Um, and just secondly, because I just think I, I may have been a slightly better responder than the average person is. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it was, a, it was a few months for me before I could see a difference. Um, but I was starting from a lean, I was starting from lean, you know, um, when, when you're not, when you don't have a lot of body fat, um, changes in muscle mass are more noticeable. Um, you know, if, if I'd been starting and I'd been, had a hundred pounds of fat to lose and you're not going to see any muscle being built under there until it's, until you've basically lost all of it. Um, so yeah, it was quite quick for me, but that's not necessarily, um, something that the average person should expect. Um, and then I'd say it probably took me about a year before, um, people would really notice it. Um, I could notice it after three months, but then after about a year, um, there was, I did some embarrassing things when I was younger. I mean, people can probably relate to this, but I'm embarrassed of it now. There was this pool party for for work, um, the same job with the, with the gym membership, and I made it my mission to get absolutely ripped for that pool party. And I'd only been lifting for a year, so I wasn't I wasn't that like I didn't I wasn't that muscular, um, but I, I got so ripped for that pool party, and everyone was like, oh. <laughs> uh, and I, I loved it, but, um, yeah, <laughs> doing things like that probably helped me back in the long run because, um, that's, that was time I wasn't building muscle and I used to do it like pretty regularly just because I don't know, people either, either, either have, um, the thing where they think being ripped is awesome or they think being like, um, lifting huge amounts and really filling out your, your shirts and stuff is awesome. And I now think, I now think like that and I wish I'd spent more time in my younger years thinking like that rather than dieting all the time. Um, but anyway, uh, I can focus yeah. on it now. Um, I'm opposite again. I, <laughs> Rob, I'm more sensible. Rob and I are very, very like we, we it's funny cause we meet in the middle on a lot of things where we came at everything, almost everything from a different, different position. So I just wanted to get as big and strong as I could. Right. Like I, I was okay with a little extra weight. I mean, I was already fat anyway. I was, uh, when I started lifting weights, I was about two, 35, something like that. Um, and the lowest I ever got here was about 169, two summers ago. So I lost a lot of fat eventually. Uh, but initially that wasn't my goal. I, I just wanted to put on some muscle. So I didn't clean up my diet much. I ate when I wanted to eat and I lifted as hard as I possibly could. And But I still think in the first people started noticing about four to five months after I started lifting, I got comments like, Oh, you know, your shoulders look bigger than I remembered and stuff like that. Um, and I did start getting asked questions about what I'd been doing. You know, you get the whole, what have you been doing question or the, you know, you look better or whatever, uh, about a year, say it was Rob, about a year in people started really taking notice. But even then, I think I only lost at that time, 25 pounds, maybe I was in the, I was in the two hundreds still somewhere and people were like, Oh, Hey, what have you been doing? And I lost all that just training. That wasn't, I wasn't tracking food. I wasn't doing anything like that. I was just, just lifting hard. Um, so that's, that's probably a reasonable time frame. 
either, no matter which direction you go at it from, if you're concerned about being leaner or you just want to lift as much as possible, you're not going to probably notice or get a lot of attention for your efforts. If you're a typical natural lifter, my thought is like six months to a year, probably you may be way stronger. You may feel better. Your pants will be a little bit looser or whatever dimensions start changing, but most people don't really notice. It's not dramatic enough. I'd, I'd say that the dramatic change is like three years in. Um, if someone hasn't seen you for those three years, when they do, they'll be like, wow. Um, I can remember that I, I met up with some friends from school um, who I hadn't seen in about that time. Um, and we went to this um, this restaurant in, in London, um, which was I was looking forward to it so much because um, it's this restaurant where you have a card and it's green on one side and red on the other. And if if um, you have the card to set to green, they just keep bringing more meat to your table. And it's just one, you just pay one price and uh, you have as much meat as you want. And it's all different types. And they're like cutting it off the off the skewer onto your plate at the table. It's great. Um, and yeah, and when I got there, the, this guy hadn't seen me in like three years. And he was like, Rob, what have you been doing? You've been in the gym? You put on like 20 kilos of muscle. I was like, no, I haven't. But you, to you, it looks like that. But no, I haven't. Um, but yeah, I've been in the gym. Yeah, so it's cool. After three years, uh, people really notice the difference. I like both of your answers. How, like Sam and I talk about it all the time. We're like, at least six months. Give yourself at least six months before people start realizing. You will notice yourself like within two to three months, but at least six months for people to start start to get a little bit of understanding that you have been putting the work in and you lost your fat and started building more muscle because. The first three months, you do start realizing the changes that Shane said, like like the dimensions of your waist may get skinnier by like a couple inches. But to be honest, not many people will realize that until you start building the muscle as well. The muscle maturation, you start coming in, start lowering your body fat percentage, and then everything kind of fits in together and, and fits in nicely. Yeah. And when, when Actually, you... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say that um, why that, that guy who thought I'd put on much more muscle than I actually had, it was probably because I was also leaner as well. So it makes everything that's everything look bigger. Like um, you, your waist gets narrower, it makes your shoulders look bigger and to back, you know, that you've got lats, but you never had them before. You know, you should look much bigger. That's for sure. I actually had a question for both of you about nutrition. So Shane, you just mentioned you didn't really switch up your nutrition until a little bit later. When did you start? making that change? Um, I would say it was when I, when, when I stopped um, getting leaner just from training. I think I was about, I think it was about 197, 198 pounds body weight, something like that at five, eight. Um, and I was two years, maybe 18 months, two years into training. And I just stopped, like my body stopped noticeably changing. I was still getting stronger and whatever, but I, I was, um, I was thinking, you know, I'm not quite really that happy with this. And also I was finding recovery kind of hard. I was, I was doing, you know, really, I was training like I do now in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously things have still um, evolved since then, but I, I, I had really settled into a pattern of training really, really hard, not necessarily really long. Although that time I was still doing a lot of volume too, but I, I really just, I really just pushed myself as hard as I could. And I started noticing that, um, that maybe that was starting to slow down, like what I was getting out of it. And so of course I was already aware at that point that probably I needed to do better on my nutrition. Uh, so I, I started looking into what the easiest way to do that was. 
And one of the things that jumped out at me early on was that I could eat more eggs. It'd be easy. I was doing a lot of smoothies at that time, right? I'd make the big, I would fill my blender, which I have worn out. I had one of the, uh, what's it called? The, the really, the really pricey blenders. It's not Blendtec, the other one, Vitamix, Vitamix. I bought one of those expensive Vitamix blenders because I was always, you know, like I had these two little children running around to, like all day. I'd put 26,000 steps on my feet, just chasing my kids around my house. Um, and <laughs> so I'd be in a hurry. So I was like, I'll blend, I'll blend up big protein meals to get my calories in and whatever. And um, I started adding raw eggs to those to up the nutritional value of them. And it, I peaked at like filling the whole blender. It would be, it'd be whey protein, like nine eggs. Uh, you know, I'd, <laughs> and I'd just have a whole bunch, some blueberries and whatever. And it'd just be this big purple, like 1200 calorie, hundred grams of protein, 120 grams of protein monster shake. And that was how I was getting about half my calories in a day because otherwise I just wouldn't remember to eat. And if you don't eat, you don't get your gains. So <laughs> and that's and that was where it started. It was me figuring out how to get the most stuff into a blender. That that was it was it was invention is like you know necessity is the mother of invention. That's how I learned anything about nutrition. It's just what I had to learn for myself. Um, and then I got more interested in it. I, I'm not what you would consider a nutritional expert. Um, I'm a, I'm a big rocks kind of guy. So, you know, you know, the metaphor about your big rocks and your small rocks and your sand. I focus on the big rocks. I really, I can't be bothered with a lot of minutia. And if I think that I need something, then I'll just add it in. Um, or I'll part, you know, part time or whatever. Um, I don't, I'm not still not finicky about my nutrition. I figure if I eat 15 free range eggs a day, it's pretty hard to screw up the rest. And that's my philosophy is like whatever's the most efficient, uh, simplest thing that works for me. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. what, what is specifically the question again? Um, I know it's about nutrition. Just when you started realizing you needed to start eating healthier. Okay. Um, I did some awful things um, at, at university. Um, not, not as bad as what other people were doing at university. I never, I never, uh, drank something out of someone's ass crack or anything like other people did. But um, I, I just used to do things like um, sit in my room playing video games like all the time with uh, like liters and liters of Coke, um, like four liters a night I was drinking um, and, um, you know, eating a chocolate orange and, and then like a whole pack of other stuff as well. Like I have a sweet tooth and, um, this is all before I got into fitness, by the way. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just awful nutritional habits. And I used to, I used to sometimes when you're a student and you don't have much money, um, you eat badly, but you also spend your money badly as well. Um, so you could eat well on that budget. I know I could have eaten well on that budget, but you know, I was wasting my money on other stuff. Um, and just buying stuff like, uh, this would be a meal would be like a, a it's like a burger that comes in a packet and it's like, it costs like a pound. Uh, which is like less than a dollar. Um, sorry, no, it's it's like less than two dollars. Um, and um, you, you microwave it for like two and a half minutes or something, and then it just eat it. Um, so that that was like a dinner for me. Um, yeah, it's just awful. Um, and 
eventually this started catching up to me and, you know, I just felt disgusting. Um, and the first thing I did actually at the same time as when I joined the gym was, um, I started the paleo diet. So this was not actually, um, it's not something I recommend now. Um, but at that time in my life, that's what I found. Um, and that's what I thought I needed to do. Uh, and, and it works really well to be honest, because, um, you know, whilst it's more restrictive and you don't necessarily have to be that restrictive, um, it worked well because it emphasizes protein. Um, it emphasizes whole unprocessed foods. It basically restricts you to whole, unpro- whole natural unprocessed foods. Um, so yeah, it's a lot healthier than what I was doing before, um, which was a combination of standard Western diet plus a load more junk as well. Uh, that's the way I was eating. Um, yeah. So my protein intake went right up my, um, you know, I was, I ate a lot of like broccoli and other vegetables and stuff. So I was getting a lot more, a lot more um, micronutrients as well suddenly uh, that I wasn't getting before. So yeah, it, it, it worked well. Um, and I, I very quickly lost the fat that I had. Um, I'm one of these people that just stay quite easy, easy to get lean and quite difficult to build mass. Um, so I wasn't actually, despite my bad habits, I wasn't actually that didn't have that much fat um so i lost it quite quickly um and coupled with going to the gym and being a beginner i built the mass at the same time um yeah and it it wasn't for about i think i abandoned the paleo diet after about a year um yeah it was when i was 25 when i started going to the gym that's when i um that's when that's when i started cleaning up my nutrition because uh, my wife said to me well she's she was my girlfriend then but she's my wife now um she said um you know you really ought to be eating better if you're going to go to the gym this is pretty pointless um not eating well and to me at the time that meant you won't see any results if you don't eat well um which is not quite true uh, but it, it could be true and in, in another circumstance it might not be true um it, de- it depends uh, i would say um it depends how bad it is. <laughs> uh, if, if you're getting in your protein and, and your calories, you're probably still going to build mass. Um, even if those calories are not from the best sources. Um, but I didn't understand that at the time. So I just thought, right, I've got to eat healthily. Otherwise this is all a waste of time. Um, so, so that's what I did. So I know a lot of people, you know, you guys are super relatable cause you're, you're fathers, you have families, you have all of that, unlike Kyle and myself, who are you know in our twenties and don't know anything. But um, how are you? How are you guys able to b- balance your fitness and your health and dealing with all of your family responsibilities? And that's super relatable to a lot of people, and that has a tendency to deter people as well. So how do you how do you balance all that? Well, I mean, I would start out by saying that a, a lot of people envision that this stuff is going to be uh, a challenge to integrate into their life, that it's going to take so much time and, and it's just going to be so draining. And there's a little truth in that because at the beginning it's hard, right? Like we all remember when we first started training that, you know, you were so sore, you were lifting baby weights and you were so sore and you were, you were tired, you were beat up and whatever. And there's an adjustment period there because you, because it's such a radical shift. But after that, it is not a drain on your life. It is not a drain on your ability to be a parent. The opposite is true. Um, Parenting is a contact sport. It's hard. Your kids will run you ragged at times. And the deeper your resources for, for keeping up with life, the easier parenting becomes. 
So that that's the biggest objection that people have is, oh, well, you know, I'm just so busy. And it's like, well, you better get busy taking care of yourself because the busyness never ends. Life never calms down, especially once you have kids. Once you have kids, it never stops. There is n- You're not going to ever have a magical, easy month where everything is super smooth and you just get to do whatever you want and you have all kinds of extra free time. No, you always got to carve everything out. Um, your kids always need stuff and your kids do not care about your plans. Whatever your plans are, expect to have to modify those plans. So that's that's my my position on it is, is that I think the only reason I've, I've survived some of the stuff that I've dealt with um, as a father is because I've prioritized making my health better. The old sick version of me would have just been a just a sad parent, just a depressing uh, role model. So, and just, I, I don't know how it would, I wouldn't have three kids. I, I would have two kids for one thing, because, because I just wouldn't have had the energy to, to make it to a point where we had three children, I'm sure. So that's, that's sort of my, my take on it is people need to uh, accept that training and and watching to some extent what inputs you put in as far as uh food in your that that goes into your body is is a lifetime habit that any person who wants to have a good quality life just has to do like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your your circumstances are that's all excuses I, i train four days a week takes about three hours total um you know there's some meal prep and stuff but mostly that actually saves me time so beyond that, it's not a huge time investment and it pays huge dividends. Rob? So, yeah. Um, so you guys are smart because um, you're, you're building um, your Twitter profiles and business presence and everything now um, in your 20s. Like, that's smart. Um, I, I wasn't – it wasn't until I was 30 that I – it suddenly dawned on me that I needed to do these things. Um, you know, I, my son, when my son was born, I was nobody on Twitter. Um, I'm still nobody on Twitter, but like, you know what I mean? Um, like I didn't have, like I had an account, but like it had like no followers. Um, so it's been a struggle to build that up. Um, that's been a struggle whilst with, with parenting. Um, fitness with, with parenting, balancing it. Um, it is difficult for me at the moment. Um, lockdown doesn't help. Um, really, really, really doesn't help. Um, if the gyms were open, um, as they're currently not in the UK, um, I would be going at like at this kind of time, like 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, um, 10 till 11 or something like that. Um, just because that's when my kids are in bed. Um, although the youngest is, is a very young baby. Uh, so she doesn't really sleep at this time. Um, but you know, I, I'd, this is probably the time where, when I would go, um, just because the rest of the day is just so busy. Um, and I don't want to be taking time out of the middle of the day to to um, to do it when I could be spending it with with my kids, or you know helping helping my wife because um, you know she's obviously looking after them as well. Um, yeah, there's just so many things to do; it, it never stops, like Shane said. Um, at the moment, um, I'm I'm really doing the bare minimum. So, like the the way I've found it um, easiest to keep on top of it is with limited li- limited equipment like very limited equipment, what I can have at home um, in a small space. I'm just doing one thing a day. Um, I'm just doing a few sets of one exercise a day. Um, I wouldn't normally train seven days a week, but this is the way I'm doing it now um, because it's easier to find time to just do like 
15 minutes of work um, than it is to say, do try and do three workouts a week and make them 45 minutes to an hour, then they're less likely to happen um, just because I'm not going to have a 45 minute block probably. Um, or if I do, it's going to be like late when I'm tired. Um, and um, also because I'm just not, as, I'm just not that motivated to train at home. Um, if I had, it would be different if I had a dedicated space uh, like a, a garage or something or a basement or sub or just a room that's, sole purpose for existing is to house all my gym equipment but because i don't have that it's it's not motivating to train at home i've got to get equipment out from cupboards um i, I live in a small two-bedroom flat or what you call an apartment um looking to move but there's, there's issues with that currently um, so i just don't have space to have proper equipment at home um so yeah right now um it's short workouts high intensity short workouts with compound exercises one exercise per day how do you think you you would manage things better? I guess this is more of a question for Shane since Rob is still trying to figure it out. How how do you balance your fitness and health and family all all in one? Family's always got to come first. So, for example, um, I didn't train today because I just like I could have. I I like to keep some flexibility, but I'll come back to that in a second. Um, but last night, my son, who's two and a half, he got me up four times. He's having nightmares or something, screaming. And then I brought him to bed at, I don't know, it was like three in the morning or something when I finally just gave up, just brought him to bed. And then he kicked me for the remainder of the night. So let me tell you, I am not at my best today. And so today would make a really poor day to train, right? Even though lately uh, this isn't nearly as common. Uh, my, my boy's a better sleeper than my girls ever were. And, you know, with just the one, it's practically you know, it's easy mode compared to when I had twin babies, but it's been a long stretch. Like I don't think I've ever been guaranteed a full night's sleep for the whole seven years that I've been lifting for. So the balance is you put the, you put the family stuff first, but you do have to make time to do what you can. Maybe that's going to slow things down. So what? Something's better than nothing. I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing is people think they have to do it perfect if they're going to do it at all. And it's like five years of doing it to the best of your ability is still going to get you further than waiting till year five, like year four and doing it perfect. Like you, you do it perfect. You're, you're going to get a full year's gains, right? But if you did it 60% perfect for four years, you've got three years gains, or, you know, or five years, you've got three years gains. Like you're still better off. And that's, that's the, the take I've always had on it is that this is a lifetime endeavor. So Things happen when they happen. If it takes me 12 years to accomplish what I could have done in nine years, it, in a perfect world, it's still going to get accomplished. And I just keep flexibility. So I know that I know I can't control a lot of the factors in my life. So I don't plan to train six days a week because or seven days a week because that'd be foolish for me. There, I would miss, like I said before, I, I don't ever miss sessions. I mean – the only time I ever did is I got H1N1. I was sick for like two weeks straight. So sick I could barely get out of bed. Every time I got out of bed, I just ended up backing it for the for the next day. So um, that was that was a bad stretch. And outside of that, I don't think I've ever missed any sessions. And the reason is because I train, you know, four days a week or three days a week or five days a week, generally four for long stretches of time. And I keep some flexibility. It doesn't have to be on a specific day. 
you know, I always have that ability to shift forward or shift back. And I have a tendency to, when I'm feeling good, to condense my training a little bit to get a couple of days ahead of it. And then if something comes up, which always does, there's major family occasions, somebody's getting married, or, you know, you you lose a sitter when you had planned some event. And so you have to move move important stuff back and forth. If that happens, it doesn't cost me a day in the gym. I just flex it to to a different day. That's it. I, like it's who cares if I train it on Thursday or Friday on any given week. Like still gets done, still close enough. I still get my rest days, um, and it just it also gives me that flexibility. Like my son keeps me up all night. I don't have to deadlift on four hours of sleep. I can do it the next day when I've gotten a little bit more. My wife will let me sleep in and. And I'll get a good night's sleep. And then Sunday, I'll still get a solid effort in. And it's fine. And that's that's how I handle it. And that's why I don't really believe people are like, I don't have time to train. It's like, you don't have, you can't find three hours. Like I did most of, I built most of my muscle in baby naps. <laughs> you know, my, I would put my girls down run to the basement and start lifting and hope to be done before they woke up. That, that was what I was doing in the first lockdown, but he, my son's decided he doesn't want to sleep in the day anymore. Um, he's too young to do that, but he just isn't doing it anymore. Try and put him for a nap in the daytime. I just like, nope, he'll just scream. Um, so yeah, we just have to deal with him being cranky and tired all day. Um, but yeah, I, I did that as well. That's smart. Um, and I also used to um, do what you said about moving workouts to other days and stuff when I had a terrible night of sleep. Um, yeah. There's no reason why you have to do it, you know, four days a week. It doesn't always have to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, you can move your Thursday session to Friday and a Friday session to Sunday or whatever works. And you might have, a, like, one of the things I noticed, like, in the last year or two is weekends are pretty good now. So I do two on the weekend almost every single weekend. That means Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I get half of my training in. Um, that makes it a lot less likely I'm going to miss those other two days. I got, you know, four days to get those other two sessions in. And and even in the worst case scenario, I could probably condense it down. So I could do only the most essential work for the next two sessions and just mash them together, right? So maybe maybe I don't do any accessories. I just squat and press or something like that. In the long haul, that's going to be fine if you're training hard. A lot of times people think they have to do way more than they have to do. And if they just put their best effort in, that's not really true. I've got experience with that. I did that for over a year. Um, only compound exercises, just like two compound exercises a session in the gym that, was, that wasn't at home. And, you know, there's no reason why um, you're not going to get gain on those exercises just because you're not doing other exercises. Like, I imagine if you, if you just did bench press, squat, rows, overhead press, um, well, what am I missing, deadlift. Um, if you just did one exercise or, or maybe two exercises for each of those and just focused on those and getting better at them each week, you'd see great progress. Um, the accessories are nice to have, but like they don't add that much more. And Shane, I mean, Shane that's kind of how you structure your training. A lot of times you, you post today's training and it's deadlift, like three or four sets and then sumo deadlift two sets with some volume. That's it. And so it's like training. It doesn't have to be this big, long production every day no. at all. In fact, it probably shouldn't be ideally. 
If you're doing yeah, so- four or five exercises for the same muscle group, I like, okay, we can argue about how it works or doesn't work, but then you have to, you have to make sure you're even comparing apples to apples. Like is the per- guy who's sure that you need to do four different exercises all from different angles. Is that guy on drugs? Is that why he thinks that's a good idea? Cause he can do that. He can do that week in and week out. He'll be fine. And yeah, for him, that marginal additional benefit from the third angle he's hitting this muscle group from or whatever that, that might, that 2% that he's getting out of it, that might be worthwhile. And, and it, and he might as well take advantage of that because he can, but I, but I mean, unless, unless you're some kind of genetic freak, if you're natural, I just don't see any way. <laughs> I don't see any way that that's high value. You couldn't have been hitting the first three lifts very hard. If you still got any juice left for that fourth one, you know, and that's been my approach. It's like, if I, if I just go all out on two deadlift variations, I've got nothing left. And I'm going to be, I'm just done. Like there's anything I do after that, I'm going to be half-assing anyway. So why bother? Um, you know, sometimes I'll do some pull-ups or something if I'm feeling really, really good about it. Uh, you know, I still got some, you know, extra energy I didn't expect to have or, or whatever, but I've found that the less I do and the bet and the more I focus on doing that as hard as I possibly can, the better the results I get. You see this with most people's, um, chest day. Like it's, they love, it's like, right, we're going to do flat barbell bench press and then we're going to do incline, um, and, uh, and there are some people who also do decline as well. And then they'll go and do like dumbbell bench presses as well. And some, some flies, um, maybe incline flies as well. You know, it's just crazy amounts. Um, the pro- one of the problems is that um, some people following like, um, it, it used to be magazine magazines that printed workouts like that. Um, now it's websites. Um, and, you know, it'll, it'll be some guy who is on drugs um, who's, who's written a program like that. And maybe he does get benefit from all, all that additional volume, but you know, the average person is doing more harm than good. All right. One more question before Rob has to go, um, because he does have to go to bed now. It's what is it? 1130 at night? Yeah. Um, it is 1130. Yeah. You know, I'm probably okay until midnight, but I, I, I need to, to go and relieve my, relieve my wife so she can sleep because, um, she's up more than me in the night. Um, and I think she's probably not sleeping yet. Okay. So one last question. What are some specific things you've done to introduce healthy eating or healthy habits within your family? So, um, I, it's hot, healthy eating within my family is hard. Um, because my, ch- my oldest child is two and he just refuses. Like he, sometimes if there's something like broccoli, he won't eat it. Brussels sprouts. Or like Good guy. Good guy. <laughs> like, if you give him something he doesn't like, like broccoli or whatever, he's quite good about trying it, but he does this like shudder. He literally, will, he goes, <laughs> like, the taste of it. And then it just all comes back out. So it's quite difficult, but he does like eggs. So, um, I, I do get eggs good in him as much as possible. Yeah. In different formats. Um, he, he likes them fried, but I try to, um, give him, give them to him scrambled and, you know, yeah. Eggs is probably the healthiest thing he likes. Um, he likes um he likes beef but it needs to be like um ground beef made into like a, a spaghetti bolognese type of thing um he's not going to eat like a steak or anything um yeah vegetables are hard um i did i did um impart some knowledge to, to my wife about like um macros and stuff and she followed that for a while and saw good results um so yeah it's just just passing on the knowledge um one other thing as well um 
I work out around my son and he thinks it's absolutely hilarious. Um, he, he loves to copy me. Um, I've got dip bars as well. Um, but they're not like a, it's not like a dip bar that's attached to the wall. It's just like they're parallels actually, but, um, they're like the, the tall ones that you can do dips on. Um, when I do dips on those, um, or if, if I use them to do rows as well, um, he comes over and he hangs from them. Like he, he st- stands under them with his arms on the, one hand on each one and just swings and thinks it's the best thing ever. He likes to, um, uh, when I do pull-ups in the doorway, um, he asks to have a go, um, but he obviously can't do it. Just hangs in the door. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's really important just um, for kids to see what you're doing um, and for it to be normal Um and kind of pass on those habits. Um, and I think once they're old enough, because um, they're really interested in it. Um, and I've had um, my wife's um, sister's kids, when they come to stay with us, um, which has been a long time now due to lockdown, but they're really interested in it as well. And they're older, they're old enough to understand. And they really, really are interested by it when I'm doing it. Um, so I think it's, it's good. It's positive to, to do these kind of things around kids and it will result in them taking up those, those activities or at least giving them a go when they're old enough. Yeah. Um, that, I do much of the same. I just model it for my kids. They really love like gymnastic rings. Our kid are, are very attractive to children. Um, they just love that. Like I set, in fact, I leave my rings low enough. My kids can just grab them and hang on them anytime they like. Um, sort of a subtle thing that I do. They also really like to um, be held up for, for attempts at pull-ups. Uh, it's pretty funny watching a, a skinny little five-year-old try to do a pull-up, but, <laughs> but yeah, so they, they, they're very excited. Mostly what we do in the gym when they're in here, I've, I've emphasized safety. The first thing I try to teach my kids is to have respect for it um, because, you know, they'll want to do things like pick up the weights and stuff. And you really got to watch that because even like a five pound dumbbell or something, if a kid drops out on their foot, right, you got a problem. So I'm always, I'm always like emphasizing like the first thing we, we, we do in here is we respect the space. Um, and they, they see, they know it's really important to me and they're very proud of it. They tell everybody that their dad is so strong, <laughs> which I find sort of embarrassing, but also kind of cool too. So it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, so obviously I'm making an impression because it, you know, it's something that they, that they like to talk about. And when it comes to the, the eating piece, um, the rule in my house is every so often you have to try something. Maybe you didn't like it six months ago, but you're a kid and your taste buds changed. So you got to try it. And the other thing is, is that you don't get an after dinner treat or any snacks before bed. If you didn't eat your protein. You got to eat the protein. I'm the opposite of like most parents are like, you got to eat your vegetables. I'm like, you got to eat protein. I don't care if you you eat the protein. (laughs) That's how it should be done. (laughs) Because I know that kids are chronically under, under protein out there. Like the average kid doesn't eat any protein at all anymore. Um, Not my kids. Like, and I'm always sneaking protein into their food too. They love yogurt. So I just add protein. (laughs) (laughs) I have a bunch of whey protein. I hardly ever use any myself anymore, but I, but I put like a half scoop in my kids yogurt, mix that up and they don't even know uh, they're just getting a little extra protein. Do you ever that's, like that's mix easy. up? Do you ever like mix up chocolate protein powder and then tell them it's chocolate milk or anything like they that? They love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I, I'll put, they love chocolate protein shakes for sometimes. Yeah. They also like, you just take your good thick Greek yogurt and you put 
chocolate protein in it. Mm. And then I just sprinkle just a handful of uh, semi-sweet chocolate chips in it. Now it's chocolate yogurt. Perfect. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a dessert now. Um, so yeah, if you get a little bit creative, it's good. I think probably the best thing you do with kids is just model healthy eating and don't try to force them to eat a bunch of stuff they don't like because then they just get a negative attitude about it. But it's also hard because they can't not like everything. They got to eat something. And that's where the challenge comes in. Like I'm always trying to ride that line between being that authoritarian dad who's like, you have to eat everything. At the table. I hate that. And I don't think that that works anyway. I think that's a road to rebellion. But at the same time, right, I can't be the dad who just doesn't care, just lets them eat whatever they want because they'll do a lot of damage to themselves. So that's the challenge. And if anybody ever comes up with a perfect system, they can let me know. It is not to go in carnivore. Don't even try. <laughs> that's not- you mean your, your kids don't like liver? Yeah. Oh, it's weird. It's, I can't, Sometimes I can't get my kids to eat a delicious, perfectly cooked piece of steak um i don't know how i'm gonna like then these guys are like just make a kid eat liver and then they won't need vitamins anymore it's like okay bud i can tell i can tell you've raised a lot of children that you think that that's gonna work well there we go we got fitness advice from both shana and rob about how to be a model father for your kids and for your family on how to eat healthy how to how to get them to start doing physical activities exercising uh, thank you so much to the both of you for being on here. Where can our listeners find you guys? Uh, Rob, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Um, really enjoyed talking about it. Um, I mean, you, you can find me on Twitter if you don't follow me already. Um, it's uh, Rob underscore NBF. Um, that's F for fitness. Um, and um, I've got a website, nothingbardfitness.com as well. Um there's a few, I need to update it with a few more articles, but there's a, a quite a backlog of articles on there, which you can have a browse through. Um, and there's links to kind of download things and get on my email list and stuff. And Shane? Uh, thanks for having us. First of all. Yeah, I, I agree with Rob. It's been good. This is a good format. I think you guys have a good system here. Um, as far as finding me, I'm the only social media that you're likely to find me on is Twitter because I don't have an Instagram or anything like that. I just can't keep up to anymore. But. Must be my my old age setting in, but that stuck in my ways. Uh, at Twitter, I'm at Fitzgerald STA, um, or you know, it, my username right now is Shane at UpwardLift.vip, which is uh, my web domain. You can also email me at that. That's my email address as well. So, um, besides that, I have a private Discord community. Uh, if somebody's interested in, in joining it, they can certainly let me know. But I do vet who's allowed on it in order to keep the community um supportive and appropriate safe for everybody that wants to be there awesome so we appreciate rob and shane for coming onto the podcast at this point rob had to take off it was getting close to midnight and he had a crying baby at home so we let him go shane stayed on and we discussed some stir the pot topics and unfortunately you guys are gonna have to wait for us to release that somewhere down the line. Um, But that was another really good discussion. So we appreciate you listening to this episode and these two awesome guests. If you haven't taken a gander at their uh, Twitter profiles, 
Make sure to go follow them. And if you're interested in coaching, I hold these guys in the highest regards and you should definitely check out what they have to offer. And as always, you can find me, Sam, at Sam K underscore strength. And you can find Kyle at I am Kyle C-E-E on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And we look forward to chatting with you next time.